Would you go with me to James, please, the fifth chapter, James chapter 5. James 5 and verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him do what? Ask other people to pray? No. Do what? Let him pray. You going through some rough stuff? Pray. Don't be quick to ask other people to pray for you when you can pray for something about yourself. You know, we as a church, we pray. We come here on Wednesday night. We pray for our president. We pray for our troops. And we pray for changes in the government. And then we pray for things about the church. But we're not here to pray about our individual things. Right? I'll lift up my tail. You know what we're believing for on the church. You know, we're believing to knock this out on this church property. I don't tell you what I'm believing for personally. Did you hear me? He goes on to talk about, though, are you merry, sing psalms. And then he says, any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. There is a time for other people to pray for you. The implication here is those that are weak. The implication is people that are at a place where they can't really pray for themselves. Well, thank God, if you get to a place where you're real weak and you're really going through some stuff, other people can help you. And that is right to do that. But don't just always be trying to put the responsibility for your praying off on some other people. You know, they're whole churches. They think that's what they hired the pastor for. To do their praying for them. And to do their hearing from God for them. Certainly not. Certainly not. No, you must pray for yourself. Hear from God for yourself. And he went on to say, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or as the Amplified talks about, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. He gives the example of Elijah, a man subject to like passions as we are, verse 17. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Prayer, believing prayer, sincere, earnest prayer, changed the atmosphere, changed the cycles of the earth. Can earnest Prayer and faith prayer affect changes in the earth today. Absolutely, that's what he's telling us. One man, a man just like us. I mean, if you read Elijah's story, you'll find out, man, he had a mountaintop experience with God. I mean, he called fire down, a showdown with the prophets of Baal. The next thing you know, he's running for his life from Jezebel. Got up under a tree and said, well, Lord, just take me. I'm the only one left. A man of like passions and feelings and emotions like us. Sometimes people, you know, they read that and say, well, you know, the Amplified says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man avails much. And people think, well, who would that be? And the devil say, well, not you. <laughs> I understand that's the way the devil always operates. The prayer of a righteous man. Oh, yeah. The prayer of a righteous man could change things in the earth. But who might that be? This righteous man or woman that we could find. People have the idea, well, maybe it's somebody, you know, like Billy Graham or maybe it's Oral Roberts or, or maybe somebody like that. But the devil will say, yeah, but not you. You're not righteous. Well, what makes you righteous? See, I mean, that's a whole other subject there. You know, our works can never make us righteous. So it's not how good of a Christian you've been that makes you righteous. It's the work of Jesus. He paid the price. He has made us righteous with his righteousness, and we receive that by our faith. Amen. So if you've made mistakes, you confess them, you repent, and if you're clean, you're clean. Amen. Sure, you've made mistakes. So have I. So did Elijah. That's what he's saying. A man subject to like passions as us. But he prayed. And God heard. And the earth was changed. Everybody say, I can pray. I can pray. 
the prayer of a righteous man. I can pray. God will hear. Things will be changed. Amen. So we have been studying for some weeks now on the subject of prayer and prayer principles. And we believe that this is the leading of the Lord and it is key in us stepping up and developing to the next place as a church. How many believe a praying church is important? But I'll just tell you, you know, in my few years of experience in walking with the Lord, I have seen a lot of wasted motion called prayer. Just because you say I'm praying doesn't mean you are. Just because you spend a lot of time doing something doesn't mean it's effective. And I think it's quite obvious that what a lot of people call praying is not effective. They pray, they pray, they pray, they pray, like they say, but they're not getting results. What is there to show for it? What is happening? What is changing? No, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man does what? It avails much. Does it make a difference? Yes, it does. It makes tremendous power available. Amen. Things are changed. That's the kind of praying I'm interested in. How about you? You pray and things happen. You pray and things change. And if we're praying in a way we shouldn't be praying, then let's quit praying that way. Change. And so that's why we're taking the time and making the effort to talk about how to pray. And we're going one by one and looking in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and seeing what Jesus said about how to pray because he's the best prayer that ever prayed. Right? He got results every time. How many believe Jesus never prayed a prayer that he didn't get an answer? What I mean, every prayer he ever prayed, he got answered. Right? Yeah. Well, that's who I want to follow. Somebody who knows how to pray and get results. You know, when you pray and don't get results, it hurts your faith. Doesn't it? Or when you make confessions and they don't come to pass, it hurts your faith. And if you just keep doing that and just keep doing that, and the last 50 times that you made a proclamation, nothing happened. The last 75 times that you prayed, nothing that you could tell happened. Well, what happens to your expectation the next time? Well, the last 50 times nothing happened. Why would you expect it to happen this time? So you get to the place where you don't even expect. And what happens, people get to the place where they quit praying. They just quit. Why do it? Doesn't do any good. And you got all kind of people in this city. They're not in church today. They don't pray. Why? They don't, what good does it do? Well, how many can testify it does do good? Yes. That you can testify you have prayed and seen results. Amen. You have confessed and saw it come to pass. I have too. We're going to stay with it. Amen. The Lord said this to me some years ago. I don't mean to hurt an audible voice, but distinctly inside me. He said to me, Keith, he said, if you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. Be more selective about what you pray. Be more selective about what you say with your confession. Some people have the idea, well, quantity is the key. Let's just throw a bunch of confessions out there and hope some of them hit. (laughs) Quantity. Let's just throw a bunch, let's get everybody praying and throw a bunch of prayer out there and we'll hope some of it hooks. No, no. It's not in quantity, it's in quality. Before you pray something, you make sure that you got a right to pray it. You make sure that you got something to stand on to believe for that to come to pass. Did you hear me? Before you make your confession, you look at this thing. Do I have a right to claim this? Am I ready to stand as long as it takes for it to come to pass? It's every prayer should be a commitment. Every faith confession should be a commitment. Elsewise, you shouldn't do it to start with. So we have been going through, in the words of Jesus, we said, what is prayer? And we gave you the answer, prayer is communing with God. Communion with God. Are that words translated fellowship, fellowshipping with God. And we said, how do we pray? Well, we're taught to pray 
to the Father in Jesus' name. We went through a lot of things about what you don't do. Jesus warned us about vain repetitions, saying the same thing over and over and over again, same phrases, mindlessly, and calling it prayer. We talked about not praying to statues, not praying to pictures, counting beads or spinning wheels is not prayer. We said that there's nowhere in the New Testament where we're taught to pray to Mary or any of the saints or Peter or John or St. Christopher. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Very important. And if you say, well, I've always done differently. Well, what are you basing it on? What scripture are you basing it on? Or is it just men's ideas? Very important that we have scripture for what we do. Elsewise, it's just somebody's idea. Right? And so... We begin to go through what Jesus said about prayer. One of the first things that he said was when you pray, to pray for those who despitefully use you. We pray to love. God is love. We're to pray in love. The Bible said in Mark eleven twenty five, when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, so your Father in heaven would forgive you. See, our ability to come before God and Him hear us is not based on our holiness and righteousness we've achieved through good works and through living a certain perfect way. It's because of Jesus. And our faith works by love. He said if we don't forgive others, He doesn't forgive us. Well, if we're not forgiven, then we don't have access to pray. We can't pray the prayer of a righteous man if we're not forgiven. So it is essential. That when we pray, we're not holding grudges against anybody. We're not holding unforgiveness against anybody. And it's got nothing to do with how you feel now. You might say, well, I've tried to forgive them. I've forgiven them a hundred times. But I just get to thinking about what that old sorry so-and-so did to me. And it just goes all over me. And I just can't stand it. Well, see, you think forgiveness is based on feeling. It's not. It's by faith. And by faith, you just say... I forgive them in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to forgive them. I release them from anything that they might owe me. I say they owe me nothing. They don't owe me anything to make it right. They don't owe me an apology. They don't owe me an explanation. They owe me nothing. And your flesh and your mind and your memory might say, they sure do. You say, shut up. You might feel mad, you might see them, and it go all over you, but that's when you just go by faith. You say, no, no, I have forgiven them. Don't care how I feel, I've forgiven them. They owe me nothing. Now, you have to be this way if you want to get your prayers answered. First Peter 3, you know, we went there and, and talked about that. He talked about husbands and wives. How that the wife ought to treat her husband and how the husband ought to treat his wife. He said, so that your prayers wouldn't be hindered. So you can't fuss and fight and be mean and mad and get your prayers answered. You think most folk could know this. (laughs) But people are still trying to do it. No, get it right. Get it worked out. Ask people to forgive you. Forgive other folks. Get your heart clear. When you stand praying, forgive. So the second thing we saw then that Jesus said about prayer is that we pray in faith. Go with me to Mark 11 again. Let's review this a little bit. Mark 11. You suppose there's anything else good we could find in Mark 11, 23 and 24? I think so. Mark 11, we'll read verse 22. Mark eleven twenty-two says, Jesus answered to them, he said, have faith in God. For verily I say to you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Let's just stop right here. What did Jesus say? 
Summarize it for me. That 23rd verse. What did he say? You believe something in your heart. You say it with your mouth. You don't doubt what you say, but you believe that what you said come to pass, what will happen? What you said will come to pass. You'll have what you said. Is that right? Who said it? You realize there are people that make fun of us for believing this. They have names for us. Huh? Name it and claim it. Bunch. Blab it and grab it. Confess and possess. <laughs> huh? Right? Oh, you're one of those. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're the confession people. Well, now, who said this? See, people don't realize what they're making fun of. That's not Keith Moore said that. That's not Brother Hagin said that. Who said that? The head of the church said, if you would speak to something, a mountain of problem in your life, if you speak to it, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you said. Who said that? Jesus. Jesus. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. People need to watch what they're making fun of. He's the one who said this. I believe it just like that, don't you? Whosoever, these are the words of Jesus, the master. Whosoever shall say to this mountain. Well, I got to back up. Hold your place here. Go to Matthew. 21. And in verse 17, Jesus left him and went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said to it, he did what? Is he praying to the Father? No, he is not. Is he talking to the Father God? No, he's not. What's he doing? He is speaking What's he speaking to? Who's he speaking to? Is he rebuking the devil? No, he's not. Is he talking to the disciples? Who's he talking to? Now, let me get this straight. Jesus is talking to a tree. Right? Is that right? It is written. Well, is that right? Is it right to talk to trees? Obviously, it was right for him. Is it right for you? Well, let's keep reading. (laughs) He said to it, let no fruit grow on you henceforward forever. And presently, the fig tree withered away. Do our words have any effect? In the earth. On natural things. You'll find if you go through and study. In the ministry of Jesus. You'll find. That many many times. In dealing with problems. He did not pray. He spoke to them. He did not pray. He did pray. Sometimes all night long. But when he came to a situation and there's somebody sick or there's a demon acting up or there's some problem in nature, he didn't say, let's all kneel and pray. Did you hear me? He spoke to it and dealt with it like that. Now, can you hold more than one place? Put a marker there or something. I'm not through with this. But go with me to John 16. If you lose your place, that's all right. I'll tell you where it's at again. We'll get back there. I'm talking about prayer today, but I'm drawing a contrast between what is prayer and what is not. Mark 11, 24 and 23 and 24, you remember it. 
He said, if you'll say to the mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you said come to pass, you'll have what you say. Is that prayer? Is that praying? He didn't say pray to God the Father about the mountain. He's not talking about prayer at all. He's talking about talking to the mountain. Right? Then verse 24, he went on to say, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. That obviously is prayer. How many understand there's a time to pray and there's a time to say? And a lot of folk have got them all switched up. They're praying when they ought to be saying. And maybe sometimes saying when they should be praying. Now look at the difference in these scriptures we're about to read here. John 16 that we've looked at previously. John 16 and verse 23. Now please listen carefully this morning so that you don't go off and say, I said some things I didn't say. So that you don't misunderstand or misapply. But see what the scripture said. John 16 and 23. Jesus is speaking. He said, in that day you shall ask me nothing. Now he's talking about prayer. Verily, verily, I say to you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask And you shall receive that your joy may be full. This is prayer. This is prayer proper, if you will. You pray to the Father in Jesus' name. You can ask for any good thing that you desire. Well, last week we talked about asking, the necessity of asking, the legal necessity. Spiritual legal necessity of asking. The scripture also said you have not. Why? Because you ask not. You must ask. We talked about the prayer of agreement. Prayer of agreement. And we said if you just say so and so agree with me. And they say okay I agree. Then you didn't do that verse. Unless you what? Ask. That Bible said if any two of you agree is touching anything that they shall Ask. No asking, then you didn't do it. There must be asking. So here he's talking about praying. And we said, you know, who do we pray to? And some people don't like it when they say, well, you know, I pray to Jesus. Well, I pray to the Holy Spirit. We can talk to Jesus. We can talk to the Holy Spirit. But we're told, Jesus told us, read it again. He said, in that day you shall what? Ask me Nothing. Now that's also one reason why it is hugely wrong to pray to Mary. Or to pray to St. Peter. Did you hear me? I mean if you're going to have to go through anybody because you couldn't go directly to the Father, it would be Jesus. Right? And he's telling us in that day, talking about in the day which you and I live, the day of the new covenant, you will not have to come to me and ask me to pray the Father for you. You can come directly to the throne of grace. And if you ask in my name, you'll get it. Everybody say, wow. wow. <laughs> this is something. Mm-mm. You can talk to Jesus. Worship Jesus. Praise the Master. You can thank God for the Holy Spirit. You can ask the Holy Spirit questions. So what difference is that in prayer? Wait, can you ask me a question? Yeah. Does that mean you're praying to Keith? No. Right? Right. But prayer proper to the Father in the name of Jesus. And anything you ask in my name, it be given you. What a word. I said, what a word. There's been things in my life, relatives that weren't living right, situations where you know, man, if judgment happens or if people just get what they've sown, it's going to be bad. And I've asked the Lord to have mercy and spare them, give them another opportunity, give them more time. And there's been times when the Lord spoke to my heart in prayer. He said, I'm going to do that just because you asked me to. Mm -mm -mm. 
It would have gone this way. You know, judgment, tragedy. It would have gone that way. But I'm going to do this for you just because you asked me to. Glory to God. Thank God for the privilege of coming before the very throne of grace. Having an audience personally with the creator of heaven and earth. The great father God. Asking anything in the name of Jesus. And him hearing us. Granting our request. What a privilege this is. What a great, great privilege this is. Are you taking advantage of this? Are you acting upon this like you should? But now go back to the 14th chapter. And I want you to see something that's different. Sometimes people lump it all together. But it's a very different passage. John 14. Now. John 14. 14. Well let me read verse 13. It goes with it. Verse 13 of John 14. Jesus is speaking. He said whatsoever you shall ask. In my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. This has been confusing to some. As they begin to look at it closely and compare this with different passages. And sometimes people say, well, see, that that doesn't agree with the other. And there's numerous people that come out and say, well, you know, how could you base your whole life on this book? There are obvious discrepancies. There's obvious disagreements between one and the other. No, there are not. People say, well, yes, there are. You know, how can you explain this? I can't understand this. Exactly. You don't understand. Just because you can't put it together doesn't make it wrong. You understand? So when you find something and it looks like it doesn't agree, you didn't find an error. You just found something you don't know. Right? You just found something you don't understand. It's awful pride for a man, I don't care how many degrees you got, to exalt his or her intellect to the place where they judge the Bible. Judge the Word of God and say, that's incorrect because I can't understand it. Now that's ignorant. What's sad is to be ignorant and think you're smart. (laughs) Be so ignorant you don't know that you're ignorant. That's a sad state to be in. (laughs) But people who do have some understanding, they come before the Holy Word with respect and reverence and go, Lord, I acknowledge I wouldn't have any light at all except you gave it to me. And there are no errors in your words. Show me what I don't understand. Teach me what I've not yet seen. Open my eyes. Bring me into it. And believe and expect. And you won't see everything in a day or a week or a year. But if you keep going with him and walking with him. There's been time after time where there were passages. I couldn't make this work with this. Couldn't make it work. But as years went by. I saw something. And I saw. And then you go. Oh. Well no wonder. Well of course. That makes perfect sense. Right. It's just something I didn't see. Something I didn't understand. Well, here when it says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And I've even heard some people I respect. And, you know, they're good people and quality people, but I don't agree with them on this. They te- This one certain fellow, he said, well, some things you ask the Father for. And some things you ask Jesus for. Mm-mm. Where else do you see that in the Word? Where do you see anybody practicing that in the book of Acts? No. You know one thing that will help you? You know one thing that would eliminate a lot of wrong doctrines? Is if people would have just backed up and read a couple of verses before the verse that they just are building their, their doctrine on. Or read a couple of verses past it. Is he talking about praying in this passage? Back up and look. Back up. Jesus said in verse 6. This is John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way. 
the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Is he talking about prayer? No, he's not. What's he talking about? He's talking about doing the works. Everybody say doing. Doing the works. Now, if you look up this word here, ask, where it says, whatever you shall ask in my name, you'll find that that same word is sometimes translated require. Require. Let me read to you from one uh, scholar's definition. These two scholars together, they said this, they said, it means to ask for with urgency even to the point of demanding, to demand. Interesting. Now this is where some people get confused. To demand. Did he say, if we put this word in here, require or demand. Let's read it like that. John 14, 13. And whatsoever you shall require or demand in my name, that will I do. Verse 14, if you shall require or demand anything in my name, I will do it. Do we have any instances of things in the scripture that would go along with this? Hmm? Yeah, we do. Lots. Mind if I show you some of it? Now, here's the thing. People think, well, what are you talking about? You're talking about demanding of God? No. Demanding of situations in his name. In the book of Acts, why don't you just turn over there real quickly. Let me show you an example. In the book of Acts, and the third chapter. Now, let me remind you. What is he talking about in that passage? Doing the works, right? And he said, if you believe on me, you have faith in my name, the works that I do, you will do also. What kind of works did Jesus do? Hmm? Now, we told you that many times when Jesus, these works that we're talking about, were not prayer. I'm going to read some of them to you here. Jesus told the nobleman's son, go, your son lives. That's not prayer. But he was healed. Peter's mother-in-law, remember that situation? He rebuked the fever. Fever, get out of here. That's not prayer. But the woman was healed. And that was a work that glorified the father. He told the leper, be clean. I will be thou clean. And he was cleansed. That's not prayer. The man born by four, he said, rise, take up your bed and go. Is he demanding something? Is he requiring something? Is this prayer? Is he asking the father to do? No, no. He's telling them. He's telling the problem. Right? And it's not a request. Right? It's requiring. You could say demanding. The man at the pool of Bethesda. Rise. Take up your bed and go. Man with the withered hand. Stretch out your hand. I mean it goes on and on and on. 
to the deaf, be opened. The blind, look up. The woman with the spirit of infirmity, you're loosed from your infirmity. Right? Is that prayer? No. Is he requiring something? Well, what about us? Are we supposed to operate that way too? Can we? Well, did you hear the verse? He that believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Whatever you require in my name, I'll do it. Can you see it now? Can you see? This this is not prayer. Oh, glory to God. Do you see it? I tell you, before you read Acts, how many places are you holding now? <laughs> Go back to the one you were holding in Matthew. Let me finish this before we read that. Is this okay today? Are you with me? This is so important now. We must learn when to pray, when to say. We must learn when to ask of the Father and when to demand of the situation. In uh, Matthew 21, verse 19, he said to the tree, let no fruit grow on you here henceforward forever. Is that prayer? Did he ask the tree to do something? He required it, right? He told it. He's not asking the father to do anything with the tree. He's not asking the tree Tree, would you please quit? (laughs) Right? No. Is he or is he not our example? Are we to operate like he did? Well, it gets even more clear here. He said, uh, you know, the presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled. They thought, wow. How soon is the fig tree withered away? They thought, man, now that's a trick. He just spoke to that tree and that thing withered up from the roots. They were marveling. As most Christians today marvel at what Jesus could do. But what did Jesus say? Are you there? They marveled. And so Jesus said, yeah. I'm the son of God. I can do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, boys, I got it. <laughs> yeah, right. I got the touch. I got the word. I wish you did, but you don't. Because you're not me. Is there only one me? Hmm? Well, I know that sounds funny, but don't you realize that's what millions of Christians believe? They believe it. They believe, well, yeah, that's Jesus. He could do that. But what's the implied phrase that follows? But not us. I mean, we're just mere mortals. And the devil will say, yeah, worms. (laughs) What in the world would you think you could do something like what Jesus could do? You've got to be kidding you got Jesus, and then you got you. And there's a great gulf between the two. Now, I know we're laughing, but you understand most people believe that. They believe that really, really strong. What did Jesus say, though? The disciples were feeling like many Christians today. They go, wow, that, that, now that's amazing. That's something you could just speak, and it would come to pass. And they're marveling, and Jesus said... Verily I say to you, verily means this is a fact, this is a truth, you can build your life on it, don't doubt it. If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this. Whoa, 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 whoa. What did he say? Who? Who would not only do this? You shall not only do what? This what? Is he telling them they could do what he just did? Is he? And he goes on. Right? If you have faith and don't doubt, you could not only do what I just did. 
Is that what he said? But also if you would say to the mountain, not pray, say, be removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. Oh, glory to God. Do you see this now? Come on, guys, help me out with this now. Do you believe this? Is it true? Well, now turn over to John 14. Look at it again. John 14. Verse 11. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily. Two verilies. What does that mean? This is a truth. You can build your life on it. Don't doubt it. Don't question it. Verily. Verily, I say to you, he that believes on me. Who is that like that in this room? Who believes on him? He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Oh, I don't think we've seen this like we should. What kind of works did he do? We just got through reading a bunch of them and talking about a bunch of them. He spoke to demons and they stopped and left. He spoke to the wind and waves and they ceased. Right? He rebuked fevers. I remember one of the first times I read that. I'm reading down through there. Peter's mother-in-law is taken with a great fever, the Bible said. Dr. Luke said it. He's a doctor. He knew. It wasn't just a fever. Great fever. And uh, the Bible said Jesus took her and rebuked the fever. Now I stopped and I thought, well, no, wait, 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 wait. He's not rebuking Peter's mother-in-law. He's not rebuking the devil. Amen. He rebuked what? A fever. A fever. I thought, can a fever hear? You see, we've thought so, you know, it, we, we as a generation pride ourselves on our scientific ability. And if we can't see it under a microscope, then it don't exist. Well, that leaves out God, brother. And the Holy Spirit leaves out life. You can't see life under a microscope. You can't see wisdom. You can't see understanding. You can't see joy or peace. Does that mean they don't exist? Nah. Thank God the works that Jesus did. Are available to us. We can do those same works. Keep reading. He that believes on me. The works that I do. Shall he do also. And greater works than these. Shall he do. Because I go to my father. And. All this goes together right. And whatsoever you ask the father. No. 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 Whatever you ask or demand in my name. Like I used to do. Demanding of disease, demanding of the tree, demand that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask or demand or require anything in my name, I will do it. This is not prayer. This is not asking the Father for anything. This is doing the works of Jesus. Now go to Acts and let's begin to finish this up. Acts. Chapter 3. Glory to God. Acts chapter 3. Are you there? You know the story, but let's read it anew and afresh with this understanding that we have from doing the works of Jesus. Peter and John went up together, Acts 3.1, into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Were these praying men? Yeah. Implication is that every day. About three o'clock, they'd go up there and pray, not for five or ten minutes, but for an hour. Have things changed that we ought not do that anymore? No. No. Should we still have that kind of thing going on? Regular praying. Longer than a minute or two. Longer than ten minutes. Praying. Communing with God. Fellowshipping with Him. Praising Him. Thanking Him. Worshiping Him. And asking things. And supplicating, making petitions. So they were praying men. 
And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, asked for a handout, or begged. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, looked at John and said, Let's pray. Huh? But that's how a lot of people operate today, right? Bless his heart. Let's all join hands and pray. Is that how Jesus did it? No, it's not. Is that how Jesus' followers in the beginning days of the church did it? No, then why should we change? Peter looked at him and with John, he said, look here, look at us. And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I guess Mrs. Peter had the pocketbook that day. (laughs) But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. What does that sound like? That sounds just like Jesus. Right? How many times did he tell people, rise and walk? Is that praying? Are they asking the Father for something? No. Uh -uh. Now they're praying people. They're praying people. They pray every day. But there's a time when it's not time to pray. It's time to say. It's time to require. Because the Lord didn't make this man lame from his mother's womb. Now you know... People get upset about this kind of thing. They think, well, now, who do you think you are demanding of God? We're not demanding of God. They weren't demanding of God. They were demanding that lameness be changed. Lameness is not God. Right? Who do you think you are? If God made that man lame, who are you to demand that he walk? God didn't make the man lame. Death and destruction is not of God. So we have a right to demand of the situation. Right? You got a fever that's on your baby? You're not supposed to just pray indefinitely. Please God, please God, please God make the fever go away. He told you to stand up and point your finger at that fever and say, Fever, leave my baby. Demand it, require it. How? In the name of Jesus. Jesus said, whatever you demand or require in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Why? That the Father may be glorified. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? But how many Christians are not doing this? They're not operating this way. They just continue begging and begging and pleading. Believers are not beggars. No. Did Jesus beg? Did he come across people and go, you know, Peter's mother and go now, now fever, <laughs> I wish you would leave this dear woman alone. She's a good Christian, good saint. Oh, are you kidding? Anything that's of the devil, he's a usurper. He's a manipulator. He's a forcer. You have to require it. You say, no, you don't. Not in my house. You don't No, Get out. I command you in Jesus' name. Now, you ain't got to scream and holler all day long. You do it in faith. And you expect it to happen. Hallelujah. There's a time to pray. There's a time to say. There's a time to make requests of the Father. Ask in Jesus' name. Whatever you ask, the Father will give it to you. But there's a time when you're not asking the Father. This problem is not of the Father. This is of the enemy's work. So you demand it to stop. You require it in the name of Jesus. And you have authority to do so. I used to watch videos, old, old videos of people who had operated, you know, in the earliest videos we have, of people that operated in different phases of the healing ministry and miracle ministry. And one that stood out to me one time, I'll share this with you in closing, is a a man who was in a huge uh, meeting. I mean, the place was packed, thousands and thousands of people. And they uh, brought up this little girl. And this little girl, I forget exactly what it was. Maybe it was polio. 
And I mean, she was just emaciated and she was drawn. And when they lifted her up and the people could see her, the whole crowd just was moved to see such a young girl going through such a bad experience. And this man stood up and he said, how many of you believe that if the master were here, the Lord Jesus was standing right here and they brought this young girl to him? How many of you believe that he would rebuke this disease off of her and heal her? Man, the whole crowd, they raised their hand. They said, yes. Well, if you believe the Bible, you have to believe that. Because nobody ever came to Jesus to be healed and left sick. Not one. Everybody who ever came to Jesus to be healed, left healed. Everybody. Everybody. He said, how many believe that? Well, I mean the whole crowd. They just, they raised their hand. He said, well, he's not here in the flesh that we can see him, touch him. His spirit is here. He said, but I am sent by him, authorized in his name. Oh, God, you could just sense the anointing begin to rise when he began to talk like that. And he said, the Lord has sent me. And authorized me. And he reached over and he said, you foul disease, I command you, leave this young child. He laid hands on the child and said, be healed in the name of Jesus. And the child's body began to change right there. Oh, glory to God. Why? Somebody said, boy, he must have been a real man of God. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. We are his ambassadors. Called to represent him. Amen. Amen. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. But we've been authorized by him. And sent by him. To do the very works he did. And greater works than those. How you do it. You do it by speaking. And in some cases requiring or demanding in his name. That's what the whole passage was about. Can you see it? Do you believe this? Are you his ambassador? Have you been authorized in the name of Jesus? Authorized to use that authority? Have you been empowered by the Holy Spirit? Power to back up the use of that name? Then friend, we ought not to just be allowing the work of the enemy to go unchecked in our midst. I mean, when ugliness and I should say sickness and disease and poverty and destruction rears its ugly head, we don't just sit and act like helpless victims. We say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Not in my house, you don't. In Jesus' name, stop. Cease. Leave here. Be gone. Amen. And Jesus said, if you'll speak to that mountain. I'm talking about the master of the Lord Jesus Christ. You speak to that thing and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe what you said come to pass. You will have what you said. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.